This spoiler-filled podcast is recorded live, unscripted, and intended for those over 18. Now prepare your ears for the audio stimulation they've been waiting for all day as we step into the spoiler room. And we are live here in the special edition of the spoiler room. It's an interview episode, if you will. And I am joined, very honored to be joined by a couple of people who are in, are uh, involved in a project you just may have heard of. The project is Manos Returns. Yes, that's right. It's the sequel to Manos Hands of Fate. Uh, first, I'll introduce Jackie Ray Naaman Jones. And uh, she played Debbie in the original Manos, and she's the producer for the sequel. How are you doing tonight, Jackie? I'm, I'm doing great, Mark. Thank you. I'm glad to have you here. And next to her is the director of Manos Returns. Uh, she's been on the Spoiler Room, some of our earlier episodes. We welcome back Tanya Atomic. Hello, Tanya. How are you tonight? Hello. I'm doing pretty good. Good to hear. Uh, we're going to dive into the questions tonight. We actually got one already from the Twitter feed, and it was going to be the uh, question that I was going to ask anyway. We'll start with Jackie. Uh, where did the idea for another movie come from? This is from DWN Productions. Okay. Well, um, back in 2010, uh, I was approached by someone who wanted to make a sequel to Manos. And uh, through that, I got my father involved, and we did some filming, but that project fell apart. And But the idea never left my mind and uh, my dad just kept getting older and I always felt kind of bad that that never got completed and he never got to see himself in, uh, in something better than Manos. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, last year I was at a friend's house. He was doing some filming and we had my dad involved and uh, and Brian Jennings, the son of the sheriff, was there. And it just kind of evolved. And we started talking about it. And then the next thing I knew, uh, this group of people came together just so organically. Um, Joe Sherlock of Skullface Astronaut had asked me to be in one of his films. And he knew Steve Foley, our scriptwriter and editor. Uh, I started talking to him. He wanted to make a a go at a script and uh, they both knew Tanya and then it turned out that they all knew Rachel Jackson of uh, Hands of Felt who I knew and and although we're kind of in different places uh, we are in different places uh, geographically it just kind of came together so organically and uh, this group of people are all independent They've all worked on their own for a long time, and they know how to put together a project. And when we started talking, it was like magic. It's like it just came together so smoothly, and everybody has their own skills, and we have so much respect for each other that it just came together. And so now we have this opportunity. My dad is really excited about it. We got his part filmed. And we're ready to go on this. My big goal here is to make a fan film that that the fans can really enjoy, a film that we who are putting it together can feel very proud of, 
and an opportunity for my dad to have a little retribution after 50 years. <laughs> it, it just so happened then that it came together so close to the 50th anniversary then, too, of Manos. Or did you plan it that way? Well, I found that everything that happens with Manos is um, kind of meant to be in a way. It's the will of Manos. That's all I know is that the opportunities present themselves and that I follow those opportunities. And I've been aware, obviously, for a long time that the 50th year was coming up. And I wrote a book. Uh, last year, it's actually going to be out here very, very soon, uh, called Growing Up with Manos, the Hands of Fate. So my goal was to complete my book and have it out by the 50th year anniversary, and then this project came together, and it's come together so well and so quickly that our goal is to actually screen the our film on the anniversary of the 50th year since it was shown in the theaters in 1966. So that's November 15th. And we already have so much together and with this Kickstarter, that's going to give us the funding that we need, but we've already done so much planning that it's going to take some doing, but we'll get it done. We have some real motivation here. And uh, you, it's going to be in the hands of our, your director, uh, Tanya, to help uh, push that through. Now, Tanya, were you a uh, fan of Manos before coming on to the project? I was. I have to say, I, I interestingly enough, I found out about um, Manos the Hands of Fate through Rachel Jackson, who did the Manos the Hands of Felt. Mm -hmm. um, so I found out about the movie through her. Um, I've always been a big Missing Science Theater fan. So um, it was a lot of fun to discover that, and um, I've seen I've seen actually the you know original film. I've seen the restoration, the Hands of Felt, the Mystery Science Theater version, um, all while trying to like really understand the film and the fandom and everything about it. Um, I still have to see the Rift Tracks. I heard that there's a Rift Tracks version, so I have to see that. Um, but yeah, it's like really become deeply involved, I think, in the world of Monos. <laughs> now, uh, I was reading the description on the Kickstarter, which uh, if anyone's watching here, there should be a link on the right. Otherwise, they'll be in the description as well for their Kickstarter campaign. Uh, it mentions that it, it will be filmed uh, with the tongue firmly planted in cheek. Uh, Tanya, are there going to be some scary moments as well in Manos, or is it going to be just more of the uh, a lighter, fair uh, comedy angle with it um there there are going to be some scary moments it's um it's going to have some like an eerie um but have there'll be things that are funny in it as well and mm -hmm. it's kind of a mix between horror and comedy um sort of like somebody said kind of like the abbott and costello films oh sure where they meet the universal monster and i kind of felt like yeah it'll have some of that like it'll have the real scary stuff going on that's serious but then it'll have sort of the other characters that are funny that don't really get what's going on. So I think it's, the script is really clever that way. And uh, now with uh, that, uh, since it is going to be a sequel, Jackie, uh, I know you, it, you're credited with actually, uh, you know, being part in embracing your Manos, but some people uh, that were involved in the project not quite so much. 
uh, are you bringing back uh, some of the cast, and, and how much of a challenge was it to bring some of the cast back? Well, um, <clears throat> very little of the cast still survives. So, oh, sure. as in uh, Hotel Torgo said that all cast and crew had mysteriously died or disappeared, and and uh, that's not necessarily the case. There's not so much mystery involved as the fact that it's been 50 years and all those people were adults mm -hmm. at the time. So there's not that many still living. Uh, there's me, of course, my dad, who's 80, uh, Diane Marie, who uh, is... Boy, I hate to tell a lady's age, but she's <laughs> 21 in 1966. And, uh, but she's still beautiful. She had this amazing uh, career as a top model in Europe. And, uh, and we'd like to bring her back. And that actually depends on our funding. Mm -hmm. um, the other person is uh, Nikki Mathis, who is the original vocalist in the soundtrack and saying Forgetting You. I found her in the process of uh, researching my book because she wasn't even, <clears throat> excuse me, credited in the film to begin with. None of the musicians were except for um, the ones that actually wrote the music and the lyrics. But uh, she's been a jazz vocalist, a singer for, um, gosh, since... I mean, professionally since 1959, a good seven years before Manos. And a uh, remarkable woman. She's agreed to uh, re-recording the songs that she's done. She's going to re-record Forgetting You for us. So that's very, very special because if anybody uh, as a Manos fan has really paid attention, the movie might have been pretty bad, but the soundtrack was pretty fabulous. And uh, so we're really excited to get her back. And then um, Brian Jennings, who is the son of the sheriff of my favorite line in the whole, whole film, whatever it is you're not doing, go don't do it somewhere else. Um, he's going to come back and play the sheriff in his dad's role. As his dad has passed on, but uh, Brian Jennings is just, uh, God, he's got a great sense of humor. He's a great guy, and he looks a lot like his dad, so we're very excited about that, too. Well, that, that's great that you're able to get um, him for that, that role, because I do remember the sheriff role. I, I just uh, rewatched it recently, actually, and that, that is uh, one of the more memorable roles. Uh, in the film for this, uh, you mentioned how uh, you know how many people consider how bad the film is. Um, I, after watching it, I've, I can say I've seen worse, so <laughs> I, I don't think it, it deserves as uh, maybe uh, some of the criticism it's got. But for filming this, Tanya, are are you going to be uh, doing it? Uh, I will say in the same style as that film as far as some of the editing and some of the quirks of the film or are you going to uh, give it a little uh, bit uh, I guess better improved treatment I should say. Well the thing about the original film is that um, all the little things about it that people find funny or endearing that I mean that can't be remade. Sure. If we it, it happened organically and it's kind of how you know, people sort of have a love for that film because it's got an awkward quality. 
Um, and we, I don't even know how to make a film like that. Um, <laughs> to be completely honest, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do, um, you know, kind of a traditional narrative type film, have some, um, like I said, comedy elements and horror elements, and reference the first film as well. Um, but we're gonna make it our own way and mm -hmm. not try to copy someone's style, which it, it was a style unintended as well. And Jackie, you had, you said something about it. It was like a unique thing that happened like once in a, once in a lifetime, depending on his, um, Hal's, you know, situation at the time is how that movie came to be what it was. So, um, we're not going to try to mm -hmm. mimic that because it, it would just be unsuccessful, I think. Right. Yeah, and, and I've said that, uh, you know, if you think about it, back in 1966, I mean, we're 50 years in advanced in technology and ability. Back in 1966, in the desert of El Paso, these were community theater people that had very little knowledge of uh, cameras and no, no knowledge of filmmaking, and yet they did it. You know, it costs a lot of money to rent the camera and to buy the film. And, and these are just things that we don't have to worry about today. Plus, our team happens to be very talented. And Tanya and uh, Joe Sherlock, who's our DP, have both won awards doing low-budget and no-budget films. And so it just wouldn't – you can't recreate – something like that. It was, it wasn't done intentionally. I, I like to explain it, say it's like lightning in a bottle. You just can't redo it. You, you know, there's no point trying it. It would be an insult. And, and actually that kind of, that makes me uh, happy to hear that because I think some people who do sequels f for these cult classics try to capture that exact style that it was before. And it just, you can't because the people shooting it. I mean, you had firsthand knowledge, uh, Jackie, as playing Debbie, that you're, they're truly feel that they're making something, uh, you know. And, and I don't think anyone goes went into the film going, "Oh, we're just going to make a terrible film." Uh, you're, no, you're, you're making. They knew they were making a good film, but they were make, they were making the best film they could with what they had at the time. But they had no idea that it was going to be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the, the, story, the story for it, uh, I thought, actually was interesting. I, I think, you know, a lot of people just focus on the execution and, and don't pay attention to the story behind it. I think there, there was a lot of potential there, um, but uh, there are some rougher spots with it as well, which, uh, you know, it, it gained popularity. I I had heard about it through MSTK, which made it a habit of uh, picking on films. Now, Jackie, was this film lost for a number of years and they happened to find it, or how did the original... Yeah. Yeah, it, it showed at the theater at the premiere in 1966, and then um, and then it was distributed here and there. I've talked to a couple people over the years that saw it at drive-ins around the country for about a year, and then it pretty much disappeared. And uh, until 1993, it had been in public domain, it had been 
copies of copies. Uh, I've talked to people who found it at garage sales and saw it on bootleg, VHS. And then in 1993, um, Mystery Science Theater got a hold of it and screened it. And that was the first time in 27 years that my dad and I had seen it since 1966. We never saw it after that horrible premiere in the theater. And uh, so, yeah, I, I had spent um, my childhood, it was a significant memory for me. And I held on to and cultivated those memories for many years, believing that that was all I would ever have. And so when it came back, it was pretty remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, I also have a question for you. As an as an actor and like and your dad's response to you as an actor in the film, did people sort of want to forget it after the premiere? What? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, most of the cast and crew ditched out before the lights came up, and after that, um, I don't recall anybody ever talking about it. Um, and then in my interviews in my book and uh, all my research <laughs> tells me that uh, anybody that was at the premiere really just wanted to forget about it. I mean, even the um, oh, e even the the critics in El Paso that were writing about uh, the theater and music at the time. Um, one woman in particular was the the head critic in El Paso, Joan Quorum. She wrote all about art and culture and entertainment, and uh, she wrote many glowing articles about my father, reviews about my dad over the years. But I'll tell you, there wasn't one one review from her about Manos, and and it was strangely silent, actually in El Paso after the premiere. I think I think that uh, it, it was a very small community and that uh, people wanted to forget it so bad that, that journalists and all were embarrassed for the cast and crew. And so everybody just kind of kept it on the down low as much as possible and tried to forget it ever happened. And, and then it got new life again in 1993, so uh, I guess something came out of it. Um, yeah, you know. so there's a lesson for you. <laughs> you know, you be careful because you never know when stuff's going to come back. <laughs> especially now, especially now with the internet where everything's on there forever, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> now, uh, how does uh, your dad, how did your dad take it, or uh, how does he feel about uh, returning to the role of the master, Jackie? Is he excited? Well, it's, uh... <laughs> well, it's taken him a while to get to this place. I mean, when, when Manos first came back in 1993, he actually saw it that day, uh, January 30th. 1993 because he was a MST fan and so he saw himself on TV and was just floored and uh, and then he told me about it and I got a VHS tape and I put it away and we were just kind of happy it was found and we were satisfied but then things started happening people kept talking about mono so 
I kind of made it my place to um, to straighten out the monos mythology that's out on on the internet and uh, and to let my dad know what was going on. So I've talked to him over the years and and I let him know when fans uh, send messages for him and and I just let him know what people say and I and I'm always letting him know that um, I said dad you just wouldn't believe how many people are looking for your approval <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said God people all the time they're asking does the master approve <laughs> so he gets a big kick out of that and so he's lived it vicariously through me all these years and uh, and in 2010 he, he agreed uh, on my behalf he as he said he did it only for me was uh, reprised his role of the master in the, the other sequel that, that never happened and sadly you know the things that were filmed of him will never be seen so you know, it's it's a process, and then when Ben Soliday did uh, the restoration and asked us to do um, do the commentary for the restoration um, and interviews, Dad agreed to that, and so it's been bit by bit. But you know, now he's 80, and uh, if we're ever going to do anything that he can benefit from, this is it. Because all these wonderful Monos projects, it's been a lot of fun and, and I've enjoyed it and he gets a kick out of it. But um, none of us have ever benefited from it, you mm -hmm. know, other than, than the fun of it. And so I, that's one of my motivations too, is to um, to do something that he can be proud of and that he can actually financially uh, benefit from it, even a little bit. It would be nice for that to uh, happen for him because, uh, as uh, I've heard it said, that um, they didn't get paid on the original set, correct, for Manos? Or there, there wasn't a payment? Everybody no. just kind of was working uh, kind of like the independent scene for some films now. People kind of just volunteered their time for it, was it? <laughs> Yeah, uh, but they, but the people on Monos, most of them weren't setting out to volunteer their time. They signed contracts, and they were to be paid, and they were to be paid stock options. But kind of in the same style as uh, what's his name, Max, and the producers, Hal Warren gave away several hundred percent stock in his film. And he never, well, if he ever made anything of it, he's the only one that knows. And uh, so nobody got paid. My dad not only starred in the film, but he did all the props, all the costumes. Uh, he was an artist, so all the hands, uh, Torgo's staff, Torgo's costume, um, the master's robe. He designed it. My mother created and sewed it. Uh, the, the wives' dresses they designed. Um, pretty much all the furniture in the house was ours, except for the couch. That did not come from our house. <laughs> I just got to be really clear about that. And um, I mean, my my great grandmother's bedspread was on the bed. Um, the dog, the Doberman, was our dog. Uh, my dad even gave his child for this. You know, 
Um, so he, he put a lot of time and energy into this film. Hal Warren even took off with uh, the robe and the master's painting that my dad created. So my dad literally didn't even get his own property back. It seems like everything that was uh, <laughs> that's memorable about it came from uh, Jackie's family. So uh, <laughs> that's uh, why I'm I'm kind of excited to see this uh, this uh, Manos Returns pop up. And uh, now you're doing this uh, by Kickstarter, uh, correct? Uh, Tanya, uh, why don't you tell me just a little bit about um, how far it is and. Uh, what kind of perks people can kind of expect from the Kickstarter? Oh, sure. We're a little bit over halfway with the Kickstarter, so that's super exciting. We're just over a week into it. We're a little bit over halfway of our kind of a bare-bones budget, what we think we can get away with and, and have a film that's presentable. Um, we do have a larger goal in mind um, that we're hoping to get a little closer to because we do want to bring back um, some of the original cast and pay for their expenses and everything and we want to um, do some things with costumes and locations and stuff so we do have a larger goal um, some of the perks on the Kickstarter that are really exciting is even at the $5 level is you get a digital download of the new recording of Forgetting You mm -hmm. um, with Nikki Mathis doing the new vocals and there's you know you can get the DVD that's always one mm -hmm. that's exciting so you can get the DVD, um, a signed copy of the script, uh, those kind of things. We're, we're adding something special on Valentine's Day, so look for that. Mm -hmm. um, one exciting perk that nobody's picked up yet is the Manos Cure, which I'm really excited about. I really want someone to get this. It's a it's a manicure, a mani-pedi with the ladies <laughs> of Manos. It's Jackie and Rachel and I. And we're gonna we're gonna have a Manny Petty salon day with whoever picks this perk. Um, you can also get um, a Torgos staff replica made by Jackie. Um, another cool one that nobody has picked yet is a, a voicemail message from the master. So mm -hmm. I'm and I'm really excited for someone to pick that. There's a couple walk-on roles and extra parts. Of it, so. Mm -hmm. so I'm excited I'm, about this. I want. And I want to say about the, the master's um, voicemail message is that it's 20 seconds and uh, he can record, as long as it's within taste, he can record anything. So if you want a podcast introduction or a radio introduction or, or anything, uh, 20 seconds, the master will uh, be happy to record that for you. That's worth the price of it right there. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> uh, now, uh, I had a couple questions here for some other folks that I want to uh, put out there. Uh, Tanya, uh, Philip from NerdSlant.com asked, uh, uh, is, is there going to be anyone in the movie walking like Torgo? <laughs> yes. There will yeah. be someone walking like Torgo. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, where did at least that, at some point? Jackie, where where did that idea for Torgo's walk come from? Do you know? Well, um, you know, my dad had always remembered that as because he designed uh, Torgo's costume as well and the knee braces that John Reynolds wore, and uh, you know, there's a lot of mythology about 
uh, Torgo being meant to be a satyr. And uh, what's interesting, though, is in researching my book, I did find a line that was crossed out in the script that gives um, indication that that originally was the intention. But, um, you know, with budget and all, it just never, it never came about. And so my dad says that his idea of doing the knees and the legs the way they were was because Torgo was an, a different kind of a person, you know, somebody with some sort of uh, deformity. And uh, my dad said humps had been done. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, it, it, it's, it was about budget and uh, coming up with something that would make him look quite different and uh well it succeeded i was going to say it's a uh, very memorable walk <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah there's rumors that uh, john w reynolds wore them backwards or incorrectly and became addicted to painkillers and uh killed himself because of that but you know if you think about it the the entire filming of monos took place in um like three weekends, so kind of a short time for all that to happen. But he did not wear them incorrectly. Um, but he sure he sure worked them. <laughs> uh, now uh, for uh, Tanya, I had another question here from uh, Allie from Nerd Slant. She was just wondering how you uh, felt about uh, being. And this is her words, uh, how being a woman director in a particularly male-dominated field, doing your own thing and not giving a damn, uh, how do you feel, how does that feel to do, be able to do that? It feels damn awesome. You know, when I went to film school, I'm going to be honest, when I went to film school, it was primarily men. I was one of like three or four girls. And um, down to the end, I think the graduating well, I think down to the end, the graduating group was like three or four girls, me included, and the rest were all men. Um, that actually, I was kind of naive to that. It kind of surprised me um, because I never thought about it in those terms. As I've gotten more involved in filmmaking, especially genre films, uh, I have noticed that there that it is primarily men, but that there's a large group of women genre directors out there and I'm in fact I'm in a Facebook group of over 500 so they're they are out there um, it's just a lot of I think not all of us but a lot of us are independent and it's a little bit harder to get out there um, and I think things are, are getting a little bit better I feel like with the support of people that I met and the support of people online, especially people like Hannah Neurotica and the Soskids, and just, I, I mean, I could go on and on and name so many amazing people, but um, I think just having the support net networks there, um, it's been a huge difference for me especially, and I have not felt as isolated as I had when I started, um, but definitely when I started, it was isolating, uh, but now i found, um, you know, if anyone is out there that's female who wants to become a genre director or looking for support or just interested in it. Um, Women in Horror Month 
just look it up, get connected to the people, and you will find yourself a huge support group. Um, and that's, I mean, that is really like a second family kind of to me. So, so for well, me, that's really helped. Well, even Manos uh, here is is a strong female-driven project. We have uh, Jackie and you involved, and then there's Rachel as well, correct? Kind of a help spearheading this project. So evidence right there that um, uh, it can be done and there is a network out there and you use social network. And I, I think it's great. Uh, you know, women in horror, I'm a big supporter of it and we're in the middle of it now. And what better way to support women in horror than to help support Manos? Uh, Manos returns for that. Uh, also, uh, Allie from Nerd Slant wanted to know, uh, is there going to be more gore in this one since there was no, pretty much no gore in the original Manos? There's not going to be a lot of gore. I'm, I'm going to say it's, yeah, not really a lot. I mean, there's <laughs> like creepy things that happen, scary things that happen, but not a lot of like, um, like uh, dismemberment type things. <laughs> yeah. no, no, no green inferno then, you're saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jackie, Jackie, will you be returning in front of the camera then as well to reprise your role as uh, Debbie? Yes, yes, I will. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, you know, it's it's been 50 years, and Debbie was uh, six years old at the time, a, a young innocent child, but. Anyone who, uh, and I hate to do spoiler alert, but, well, spoiler alert is, uh, yes, Debbie was a wife at the end. So that's kind of creepy. And so, you know, you just kind of have to speculate what she might be like after living with these people for, like, 50 years. And um, I'll just say that um, she's a little testy. <laughs> a little angry, maybe, and uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, digging deep and um, pulling out some of uh, these uh, <laughs> these submerged. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, so, it's gonna be fun, <laughs> a lot of fun. So, will the uh, film take place 50 years after the original, or is it a little bit? Uh back further as far as time period of where this takes place. We're pretty much uh, in the present time in this mm -hmm. film. So, yeah, we're looking 50 yeah. years forward. And uh, this, uh, Tanya, if you could, why don't you uh, give our listeners just a quick view of uh, where this film is uh, as far as uh, the story in the timeline. Uh, it's 50 years later, and, uh, you know, uh, what kind of happens to people and, and what triggers the events for them to return to uh, the uh, ranch where Manos was? Um, basically, it's it, the main characters are characters on a drive that um, are fans of the original film. I don't want to give away too much, but um, we reference the film as a film with, okay. in the movie. And, um, but in the reality of you know the, our film world, it is based on real events with real characters, and these people happen across the real Monos people fifty years later from the original events. Um, and the I want to say the the comedy comes across, or the comedy is because the people don't really understand what they're in. Too. Mm -hmm. And um, 
uh, you know, the world of Manos and, and Manos, the deity, are real, um, and the people don't quite realize what's happening around them. I, that's that definitely, <laughs> yep, that, that's just what I was looking, just for a basic idea, so people uh, kind of understand where this one's coming from, because, you know, you, you hear sequel for Manos, I'm sure a lot of people could think of, well, that could go any number of directions uh, for it. So. Different directions, yes. <laughs> so, so it is a, a a little meta, but slightly meta, but slightly, but also saying that no, Monos is actually real. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's clever. There's a lot of layers going on in in the script. And uh, how long did uh, was Jackie? Did they come to you with the script already done, or uh, did it uh, take a while for the script to get written? Uh, how long did it, uh, that take? Yeah, well, when uh, Steve and I first started talking, it, it actually just kind of it happened because I was doing a film with Joe Sherlock, and uh, and Steve Foley is uh, working on that film, and so I got to talking about to to Steve, and the idea came up. We just started talking and. Uh, it just happened very, very quickly, and Steve asked for to take a crack at writing uh, a script. He came up with a basic storyline pretty quickly, so he's continuing to develop it and build on it, and there's still a little ways to go, but we have our basic story now. And you have the story. Uh, how about the cast? Do you have uh, Do you have pretty much the cast? picked out yet or are you still uh, looking for parts? We have some of it definitely cast and we have some of it you know with some people in mind but we haven't quite nailed that some of those things down so there are a few roles that we're not sure about yet um, and there are a few definite roles that we have <laughs> so w- basically where we are in the production is we're, we're still in pre-production we've got a lot of things um, worked out, but we still have a few things that we're nailing down. Um, so by the time you know we're ready to film, I think we'll have everything ready to go. I, I feel like we're in a pretty good place with it. And so there is still time yet on the Kickstarter. And uh, will some of the casting you mentioned before uh, for some uh, getting some people back and some new people, will that also kind of rely on how much the Kickstarter can get going? Some of it will, yeah. We, we really want Diane and Brian uh, to be in the film, we're figuring that some of the expenses that we don't have covered right now are travel expenses for them. So if we can get that covered, for sure they're they're going to be in the film. Um, it's just a matter of can we afford it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, you know things are looking good, but I'm not 100% sure on those things yet. Well, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here uh, quick. Uh, why don't we uh, have you real quick, uh, Jackie, why don't you tell them where they can uh, find uh, more information? I've got the link down below for the Kickstarter, but for those that are listening, where they can possibly uh, find more information about Manos Returns and uh, if you're on Facebook and just kind of uh, give where they can find out more about this project. Everything is uh, through Monos Returns. So, um, excuse me, monosreturns.com, Monos Returns on Facebook, and um, that'll take you right to our Kickstarter. So, Monos Returns—that's the—that's the magic word. <laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, Tanya, for you, uh, do you have a, a on Twitter contact as well where uh, people can follow you not only with this project but uh, your other projects? Uh, yeah, everything's under my name. It's Tanya Atomic, and it's spelled T-O-N-J-I-A, Atomic. Or I'm Tanya Atomic on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, so everything's under my name. If you go to my website, TanyaAtomic.com, there's also buttons to everything else, and you can see my past films, um, links to those, and everything's on there. So Awesome. Uh, well all, my, all my personal stuff is uh, Debbie's Monos. So dot com, the blog um, website, everything's Debbie Smanos for my book and everything else that I'm doing too. Sure. I was just going to ask that. Uh, is there a link for uh, your book? Uh, when is that supposed to be out again, Jackie? Uh, we just sent the uh, the final proofs back to the publisher, so um, I should be able to announce that very quickly. I, I think it'll be out. Uh, by the end of March and so I just want to mention real quick that one of our perks is uh, a signed pre-publication manuscript of my book and uh, we'll be shipping those out right at the end of the Kickstarter so you have the opportunity to uh, read the manuscript uh, not only pre-publication but uh, pre-final edit <laughs> Well, that sounds like an awesome perk. So everyone, head on over, search for Manos Returns. If you don't see the link down below in the description of this, check it out. Support this project. It sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. It uh, gives respect to the original material, plus uh, you know, updating it as well for a new audience, hopefully. Plus, you get some nice perks, and it helps support Women in Horror Month as well, which we are nearly smack dab in the middle of. I want to thank you, Jackie, and I want to thank you, Tanya, for taking the time to talk to me on our little sliver of the Internet. I do appreciate it, and uh, hopefully maybe uh, we'll talk to you again uh, after Manos Returns is released. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you, and uh, everyone, thank you for tuning in, those who have been watching us on the live feed. You can also check this uh, interview out. It'll be audio-only version on iTunes. Make sure you check out that Manos uh, project, though. They really need your support. They're almost there, but they can only do it uh, with your help. Thank you so much, and have a good evening. <laughs> <laughs>